everyone. Today, I'm meeting with Christy Down, a self-made entrepreneur and problem solver who started Andy with her co-founder, Catherine Wood. After working as an executive in the construction industry, building best-of-breed um, relationship within the sector, Christy saw an opportunity to use technology to improve the way customers connect with contractors when they are making property insurance claims. This is the way Andy was born as a three-way digital platform combining insurance, construction, and contractors, where contractors can easily connect, engage, and promote their businesses. So today, I'm going to ask Christy about Andy. I will ask her about her own digital ecosystem. I will also ask her about her business model and how she builds leadership and culture within a company. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm meeting with Christy Downs, a self-made entrepreneur and problem solver who started Andy with her co-founder, Catherine Wood. So after working as an executive in the construction industry, building deep expertise and broad insurance relationships, Christy saw an opportunity to use technology to improve the way customers connect with contractors when they are making property insurance claims. And that is the way Andy came about. So Andy is a three-way digital platform combining insurance companies or insurer and insurtech as well, construction companies and contractors where contractors can easily connect, engage, and promote their business. So thank you for giving your time, Christy. And thank you for thank being you here Thank you so today. much. Thank you, Sabine. Really appreciate it. So I want to start our discussion with who you are. So who is Christy? You know, what you do every day, how you build your business, a little bit of a bio, you know, for people to understand who you are. Thank you, Sabine. Um, yes, so my name is Christy, CEO and co-founder of Handy. As you can hear from my accent, I am Australian, although um, we launched Handy in the US two years ago. So I've been here in the US for the last two years. Um, I met my co-founder when we were both in our previous roles. So Catherine used to run um, property and motor claims for QBE. And I was on the construction side and that's where we um, came together on this problem about Handy um, that we created the solution. And um, my background and me, look, I'm, I like to have a positive impact on things. And so solving problems and helping uh, make things grow is something that really excites me every day. And then I like to create a team around me and um, really look to make a difference. Thank you, Chrissy. So now let's actually talk about Andy, this company you've built for the past few years. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned, I came from the construction side. Catherine was in property claims and we saw this problem with small claims. So uh, a lot of players in the industry love a complex claim and the industry has been very focused on that. 
Um, you know, there's multiple steps and, and procedures to ensure um, that these large claims are looked after properly. Um, whereas 80% of claims actually sit in this small claim space, which we say, look, it's under $10,000 in Australia or it's under $20,000 here in the US. Um, but what our software does is connect the insurance company and the, their customer straight to local contractors who are passionate about getting these, these smaller claims done um, effectively and um, really look after that customer satisfaction piece. So what has been your impact? You know, you have moved from Australia to United States, um, participating into a very well-known accelerator. And so what has been your impact on the world of claim insurance? Uh, thank you, Sabine. So we did, as you said, um, we were introduced to the US via the Hartford InsurTech Hub. So a fantastic accelerator where we got to meet a number of big uh, insurance companies in the US where we discovered that our solution was really um, needed in the US as well. Um, insurance companies were looking to provide more value to their customers. Maybe they didn't know a contractor, they needed someone to help repair their property. And so that's what Handy can do. Not only create that digital experience for the property claim end-to-end -end for the homeowner, but also to connect them with local contractors that are pre-vetted and qualified to do this insurance work. So we launched in Texas initially um, with Hippo Insurance and look, they looked to it for three things, you know, cost control, you know, is there excellent quality of workmanship? And then of course the customer experience. And so when we were able to show tick, tick, tick um, and consistently achieve that 4.9 stars out of five from the customer, we then rolled out our contractor network. So we um, now have a number of other insurance carrier partners, actually six here in the United States, combination of MGAs, traditional carriers and smaller regional carriers who are just in a couple of states. So we are now in seven states, including Texas, California, Ohio, Kentucky, Alabama, Washington and Georgia. And we're very soon to be launching in both Connecticut um, Massachusetts and soon after that Florida. So I'm pleased to see you here. You are going to go back home to where we accelerated you in Hartford or I would say, sorry, 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 in Connecticut. Yes. And but a few things you actually mentioned, I think it's very important for our listener to understand. There are very few claims management systems within our insurtech world. I mean, I looked at them all the time. You know, probably there are 200 globally, which actually do something significant. And even our markets, I think I can I count five to 10, you know, globally that many insurers or insurers ask us question about. So you are actually one of the few. The other point, I think you actually, you know, nicely talked about, but didn't mentioned loudly is actually you're working with great insurance companies and you actually have you're building your own digital ecosystem by working with other insurtechs and being part of the EPO ecosystem I think is is wonderful you know EPO must be recognized as a one of our insurtech unicorns so I would say congratulations Asaf, you know, for the great work you and your team has, have done. And let's remember that we need more of those 
to understand that they need to support the other insure tech within the ecosystem to build the processes and the business of tomorrow. Absolutely, Sabine. I think, um, you know, in the past, say maybe five, 10 years, a lot of um, insure tech solutions have been about solving individual problems, like a specific problem. Um, and, and it might be to um, buy things quicker or it might be to simplify a process. Um, but what I think the future is about is about integration of these solutions and all of them coming together. So, for example, um, you know, in the industry, there's a lot of inspection tools, you know, drones, AI, machine learning. But um, I actually think that, and, and some insurance companies use a number of them at once, but I think the future of innovation will become about all of these integrating um, and then, you know, integrating into our lives and activities and systems. And then beyond that, I actually think it'll be about how we uh, more purposeful outcomes about how sustainability, inclusion, prosperity, that sort of thing. I think that's where the industry is going to continue to evolve to. You know, yesterday I was doing um, an interview. I can't tell you for whom, but it's a major broadcaster. And we were talking about digital ecosystems and what you are actually reflecting here. So just for people to understand what the digital ecosystem is, it's actually a group of companies which are interconnected, interdependent um, together. So they are combining people and things and companies together to start solving problems differently. And one key thing about digital ecosystems, if they are built well, is that the companies which are working together are solving four different problems. So it's not one company like in the past, you wanted to become, you know, uh, a superman and do everything and, uh, you know, build your strengths in every area. Digital ecosystem knows their strengths. They know their weaknesses and they actually find the partners to deal with the weaknesses so that they become stronger together. Looking yes. always at the customer, always to design one single experience. Seamless experience, like, you know, going onto Netflix, clocking and getting and watching your movie or, you know, clicking on your Uber car, knowing that the partner, which is a driver, is going to arrive when expected. And I think it is very important to actually understand this, that the world is shifting, is changing and getting those nodes aligned with one another can start drive better experiences, as you mentioned really early in our conversation for the users on one side and the customer on the other side. I absolutely agree, Sabine. And we've actually um, got an example of that. So Handy being, you know, the backbone um, that connects all of the parties, we can actually partner with other insurtechs that have specific solutions that help, you know, certain parts of the journey. So for example, we're about to begin work with an AI recognition uh, company that uses, you know, photos and video to then turn into schematic drawings and models of the property. You know, that's not our space, but certainly it's an important part of um, the ecosystem that we can then connect in to provide value to our insurance companies, homeowners and contractors. You know, when you look at uh, me setting up my first accelerator in 2015, in 2016, I was saying to the startups, guys, you need to start working together. 
And I think I was probably early when I said that. <laughs> Some people look like me and it's like, what is she talking about? You're always ahead, Sabine. <laughs> you can tell the, tell the future for us. <laughs> Thank you, Chrissy. I think I do, actually, because look, this is happening right now. <laughs> yes. Anyway, wanted to ask you, so what do you see in our industry? You know, what is going to happen? Give us your crystal lens you know, your crystal ball lands on where the industry is going. Yes, I think so, Sabine. uh, Traditionally, insurance companies have been really focused on cost control, efficiencies, you know, their operational expenditure and, um, you know, really honing in on reducing that. Um, What I think has shifted just recently is, yes, sure, all of that needs to be um, under control. But the vision has moved more towards the customer and the customer value. So, you know, um, a homeowner pays their premium every year. And then, you know, the one opportunity to impact their lives is at the time of a claim. And so if the insurance company is just giving them a check and see you later, then the homeowner's left there going, oh, I I now need to project manage the repairs of my property. Like, you've left me high and dry here. So I think the insurance companies are now thinking, oh, okay, how can I help this customer see them through to their lives, you know, being reestablished and repaired? And then outside of a claim, how can I offer value to my customer every day? How could I be more a part of their lives and how can I engage with them? So I think that that's what, that's the lens that insurance companies are starting to look at. And I think that it's it's driven by that customer expectation for everything to be instant and to be engaging and, you know, to really be able to create a relationship with the important big companies in their lives. You know, Chrissy, not many people know that. Um, many years ago, let's say many years ago, I decided to go and uh, work with a, a group of amazing people on a banking project in Las Vegas. And we were actually... It was one of my first major after, you know, some of the big companies I worked with um, initiative around digitizing a bank, literally from from overseas. And I have a guess there was no COVID at the time. And I just (laughs) digitized the bank from bloody Las Vegas. Anyway, what I'm trying to say here is that what I learned from that experience is that you need to definitely have that core connections with your customers and really understand what problems they want to solve for so that you can actually look at ways to actually address those problems with uh, digital mechanism. Which takes me to my next question. What have you learned around, you know, your world, you know, our world during the course of the past 18 months, right? It's been pretty bonkers. Yes, it has. I think that it's been all about adaptation you know so everybody's lives and you know have changed or shifted or there's a new kind of normal and so for us we need to think about all of our audiences or all of our users so you think the homeowners the insurance companies but then also the contractors so for us the contractors are a really important you know user group and audience of ours and so what we're thinking about is you know how can we engage with them well in this time of change um, so it's really important for us to get regular feedback from our contractors and understand how we can continually improve our product and software 
and our program as well to ensure they can be the best they possibly can be in this environment. Because I think um, what hasn't necessarily been recognised historically is how important the role is of the contractor in the actual time of a property claim, because that human, that's the human that comes to the property and, and effectively represents the brand of the insurance company. And so we think that, you know, we have an opportunity to really empower that contractor to be the best they can be by making our software easy, by making all of the process easy for them so they can concentrate on what's actually important to them, which is delivering quality work, workmanship, and then, you know, really having a positive impact on the customer and that customer experience. So I think, you know, we continue to, um, I guess, work with our contractors to understand what we can do better and better and, and learn from them because, you know, they're, they're our experts. Yes, they are your experts, your engineers, you know, the one who are touching your customers every day. And I think one thing you also highlighted, I think we, we need to, to stress further is the days where we could just pay for our premium and expect our claims to be paid is gone. We all are experiencing or demanding different experience where we want to have a relationship with most of the companies we interact with. And I think another thing which it's fascinating as I speak with, um, you know, our cohort of alumni and startups, which have done the different programs, is that need to create shorter engagement cycles where, you know, you have clear, clear touch point where you have that value being, you know, that value, you know, that exchange, you know, that transactional exchange, which is valued by the person who paid for the premium, recognized. And I think, the key word here is, is recognized. And so therefore that requires more touch point. It requires more partners and partners who are getting caring for the consumers, customer, and also one who are able to, to give the feedback so that the proposition is continuously augmented. And I think some of the big tech, you know, whatever we want to say about big tech has actually changed the way we look at the world and the way we actually dealing with customers regardless. Yes, I agree, Sabine. I think actually trust and transparency is a really important thing to all parties. And technology can really connect all, all of the people that are involved in any kind of situation, particularly for us as an ecosystem. Yeah. Um, that transparency really provides confidence, peace of mind for all of the different parties, um, knowing where something is at and having the confidence that they're getting looked after um, and the communication flows. You know, so I think that um, even as technology evolves and as things grow and change, that trust and transparency, you know, that good old fashioned value, it still remains really prominent and important for people, especially as the world is changing. It's like, okay, I need to know, am I okay? Is my family okay? Is my property okay? Yes. So I think digital, um, you know, solutions can really help that yeah. those people connect. No doubt, no doubt. So let's just have a little bit of a little game together. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to give you some words and I want to find out what your response is against each of those words. Okay. Let's start. Technology. Uh, empowering humans. Behavior. Um, the way user, user experience, so the way technology is used. Innovation. Um, 
creativity based on problem solving. And regulation. Uh, frameworks, control um, in uh, order to be successful. So when you combine those four words, technology, behavior, innovation, and regulation, how do you see that impacting your business model, Christy? Uh, I think that they're the balance of frameworks that then enable success. You know, so if you're radically innovative, but you don't respect regulation, you're going to get squashed. <laughs> but if you respect regulation and you know from where you can innovate, um, and then you're thinking about behavior and human interaction. Um, and what was the fourth one there, Sabine? I missed the, the fourth, fourth one. one was, uh, so we had regulation, innovation, yes. behavior, and technology. Oh, and technology, of course. Well, that empowers it all. Yes. So that it's everything. You know, that's the backbone. But I yes. think when you look at start looking at behavior, right? The technology enables you to start understanding people's behavior, the likes and dislike. And as you were saying, the relationship you build around trust. Yes. And those are becoming more and more prevalent, right? In the way technology is being used to care for the customer. Mm, absolutely. So you were founded, I think you 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 know, you studied in Australia. You yes. moved to America. What a commitment, guys. This is commitment to build this market. So second market. And I'm saying to Chrissy, I look forward to seeing you in Europe, London. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sabine, we'd love to head to Europe. So for the next 12 months, we're going to really put our shoulder here into the US and continue to grow our US operation. Um, but we know that there's a demand in the European market too. So, um, yes, we will look to come your way maybe in the next couple of years. How's that? Cannot wait to have <laughs> come and revolutionize our world, bring new capabilities to the European market, starting by United Kingdom and France. Then we go to Germany. I know some of my <laughs> friends are saying probably something different right now when they are going to well, leave. <laughs> I was going to say one of our first clients to be was Allianz. So we might have to do that in a different way. <laughs> No problem. I'm sure some of my friends are probably going to smile. So, oh, sweet. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Who gets Andy first? <laughs> but you also have amazing investors. And as we are talking about corporate venturing and the big topic I want to start demystifying for our startup ecosystem and, um, you know, entrepreneurs in big companies, as much as VCs who actually don't always like the corporates going into the investment world. I would love for us, for you to tell us about your investment journey. Yes, absolutely. So um, we've got some wonderful invest investors on board um, and they've really been cheerleaders of ours um, as we continue to grow our business. So really early um, scale investors who um, are a syndicate of angels focused on female founded businesses um, out of Australia. Scale have come with us again and again uh, through our financing rounds. Um, and Greenlight Re, a reinsurer who we met through the Hartford InsurerTech Hub, Sabine. I love the Greenlight um, Re team. 
Yes, they came on very early and supported us and have really helped us um, with our US market entry and understanding and meeting everyone. And then more recently, we closed a $3 million seed round led by Brick and Mortar, who are construction tech out of Silicon Valley, and uh, joined by 9.4, who are prop tech out of Chicago. So really um, deep domain expertise, US-based VCs. Um, so we really have surrounded ourselves with experts. Um, for our future rounds, um, what we're looking to, um, I guess, target is a good, strong general um, VC as a lead, but then surrounded by these strategic corporate venture capital um, funds. So we really see that they can add a lot of value um, with their industry expertise. So insurance is quite unique, you know, and it really right. is important to have folks around you that understand the industry, are well connected and can really help us grow from where we are now. So, so going from a $1 million to $100 million to a $10 billion company, you know, that's why having a strong general lead is important to us. Um, folks that have already taken businesses, you know, that whole journey and then being surrounded by the strategics that really have uh, expertise in the insurance industry. So I would like to repeat a few key points you actually made, which I think is are very, very important. First, you know, one key focus for you was um, investors who understood uh, women and, and female entrepreneurs. And those, you know, there are few, uh, and I think we need many more who actually are more balanced in the way they actually allocate investment by understanding gender diversity, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that's the first point. The second point is strategic in a sense that you've selected investors who could help you scale in this specific market, Australia, you know, America, and those are supporting you every day. I've talked to so many of them and they're absolutely wonderful investors, very caring, they adore you, by the way, and um, <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's amazing to have smart money supporting you. The third point you actually highlighted is timing. So when should you get your corporate venturing money? And it's interesting. And I think it's not a silver bullet strategy is you have to make choices as to where you are and to your journey. And your journey is, you know, now, when I look at my next round, I will definitely want to have my lead investor being a VC and then surround me, myself and Catherine and my team, the anti team with corporate venturing money because then that allows us to scale. And I think it's very important to understand every company's are different. Yes, absolutely. No, you're right. Um, and I think for us, look, we have a very strong property claims experience, construction experience within our team already. So um, that's, you know, we weren't looking for that insurance expertise initially, but now that we're in the US and we're looking to go the next, um, scaling the next level, that's that's why it's become important. Again. Yeah, now, which is wonderful. So I want to actually touch upon two additional topics. The first one is your business model. What differentiates you? Yes, yeah, so we are very transparent, Sabine. So that's who we are and what we're like. So we are a flat fee to the insurance company per claim. And we do that because insurance companies like to be able to attribute claims cost to, you know, the indemnity cost rather than necessarily their operating expenditure. Um, the other thing is 
when we partner with insurance companies, we make sure that we are really easy and awesome to work with. So we really work with them to keep understanding what their problems are or what the opportunities are to keep on evolving the partnership together rather than just saying, this is what you get. <laughs> we listen and we can adapt and kind of um, evolve to really get that good uh, connection in our partnerships. That's superb. So my second question was, you know, to build a business like yours and be where you are, Catherine and yourself have had to actually find the amazing talent. So I would like to hear about your recipe around leadership and culture. You know, it's, I think, a very important question because I'm having discussions around, you know, do you build culture and leadership before you build a company or how do you get to building an environment where people are happy? and happy to thrive, supporting the growth of the business rather than just themselves. Oh, good on you, Sabine. Well, um, it actually comes back to like, Catherine and I sat down, we're like, what sort of business do we want to create? Who do we want to be every day? How do we want our team to show up? How do we want them to feel? And so we created our, um, our values based on, on those things. So, you know, positivity is a really important part of that you know, really empowering growth, um, really building continuous momentum. Anyway, so when we um, look to build our team, we look for those character traits first um, and, and, you know, make sure that their positive, their values are aligned with ours and the companies. Um, so we're listening to what's important to them, you know, what gets them excited every day. And then from there, it's about ensuring that we get the right skill set on board. Because um, we think it's it's difficult it's kind of more difficult to get the character traits um, necessarily than the skill set, um, and then we use a tool internally. Uh, we use there's lots of personality you know quiz things to that you can use. We use a Clifton Strengths test, and and so what yeah you'd be familiar. And so then what we can do is help our team members understand the perspective that one another come from so that they can, you know, then know how to relate to one another if they haven't worked with another person before, or maybe they're having, they're colliding and they're not understanding why they can't communicate. They can then, you know, start to identify, okay, what perspective are you coming from and try to understand one another a bit better. And when we're in a, in an industry where we've got folks that manage contractors all day and they're very effervescent and then we've got software developers that are quite introspective and quite detailed and analytical so trying to help everyone be able to understand how we all come together for success and growth is really important you know recognizing everybody's um and celebrating everyone's achievements and how it all all comes together for our growth yeah and uh you've actually shared some very wise words one thing which has come to mind is both of you, Catherine and yourself, are great leaders, and but you are very busy leaders. And now I want you to talk to the other leaders who are there, you know, the founders, the entrepreneurs, the startup, uh, which are actually starting a business. How have you been able to balance your time and your effort while building a growth team? Yeah, thank you, Sabine. It is actually, that is quite a challenging thing. And I think it's about identifying what fills your own bucket and then making sure that you make time for that. 
Um, so even though I might seem to be an extroverted person, I actually get a lot of energy from things like yoga or going for a walk in nature. And so making sure that that's part of our everyday week um, is really important and adds a lot of value. I think also making sure that you've got people around you that are cheerleaders, but are not a client, an investor, or um, someone that you're having, or, or a, a team member, you know, those other friends, or they might be influencers. I mean, Sabine, you're one of these for me, you know, so. I am your cheerleader. Uh, someone who's, thank you, thank you. And, and so and you, you know feel that. supported. Yes, yeah. I, I am. And I will always, you know, if you actually push the Sabine button, said, I need this. Okay, here. <laughs> and that's part of, you know, supporting your teams. But, you know, my cheerleader is my husband. I adore him. Most people who know him um, know I adore my husband. And, um, you know, in the evening, you know, I like being with him, chatting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is what calms me in some ways when I have the bad yes. day. <laughs> and we all do. Like, they happen, right? But um, I just think it's important to just back yourself, you know, because there are going to be rocky times and there are going to be people that say, you know, no or we don't believe in this or, you know, all the problems. Um, but I think that, you know, if you just like we back one another, I have a lot of respect for Catherine. Like she's absolutely amazing. And I think that well, that's, you really, are. <laughs> <laughs> that's really important too, you know, to really um, have respect for the people around you and to know that together you can go 10 times further. You know, our world is going through major change, uncertainty and disruption. So what would be your last wise words for the startup, maybe the investors and the entrepreneurs you are going to work with in the future as we look at the world of the future? Yes, I would, Sabine, I would just say that we need to cheer one another and we need to celebrate one another's growth and that it's, that it's together that we grow further and faster and better and thrive. So really, you know, it's not, we don't need to be knocking down the poppies. We need to be celebrating one another and, um, you know, and then flying further together. And that's by backing yourself and cheering for others. So, um, yeah, that's definitely how I live every day. Absolutely. I think one things which, um, one thing I've learned during the course of the past two years is that I learned a lot from my acceleration experience and expertise, you know, designing um, some of the world-renowned accelerators. And one thing which I've realized in recent months is growth comes through digital ecosystem, business ecosystem, places where you can work with others and you can accelerate the growth of each one of the members of that ecosystem by doing your small bits. And I really believe in that. And that requires a different mindset because if you are, I think, a loner in the world we are in today, it's going to be really tough because we have to much move much faster. You know, we have to run before we can walk. And the only way you can run, I think, is by recognizing your weaknesses and accepting that actually you don't need a full pie. You just need a slice of the pie. And the slice of the pie can be quite big, actually. <laughs> yes. That's right. And so if we can actually start, you know, dialing down and changing our mindset, we could all build 
really beautiful companies. And I've actually a lot of fun whilst doing it too. Yes, that's right. Because that's the importance of being, you know, the more you're enjoying the process and the journey, um, the more everyone thrives and benefits together. Exactly. So I'm very grateful to meet one of the greatest startups I met in my lifetime and Andy and amazing founders, very um, amazing woman, uh, Chrissy Downs and Catherine, which, you know, we need to make sure Catherine is on the next Yes. Podcast. Tell her. She'd love to. Very much too. Um, You know, let's say thank you to Chrissy. And we look forward to seeing Catherine Wood in the future. Thank you very much, Sabine. Really appreciate today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends. And if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine Van der Linden. Thank you.